Joseph Robin Biden Jr. was sworn in as the 46th President of the United States on Wednesday, taking office at a moment of profound economic, health and political crises with a promise to seek unity after a tumultuous four years that tore at the fabric of American society. Now with his hand on a five-inch thick Bible that has been in his family for 128 years, Mr. Biden recited the 35-word oath of office swearing to preserve, protect and defend the Constitution. Now, the ritual transfer of power came soon after Kamala Devi Harris was sworn in as the Vice President by Justice Sonia Sotomayor. But of course, what does this all mean for the American people and I think for the world of large, at large and of course for the Muslims or the Muslim community joining us online this morning? To speak to us is Edward Ahmed, who is the Deputy Director for the Council on American-Islamic Relations, known as CARE. Edward, assalamu alaikum, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good morning and thank you for having me. So, of course, let's start off by understanding. I mean, today was certainly historic. You know, what's the feeling amongst Americans at this moment in time? I think for many Americans, it's a feeling of relief. You know, no matter who you voted for, you know, the election is finally and officially over. Uh, and uh, our process of transition uh, occurred, not peacefully, but it occurred and it's over. And so I think many of us feel a, a sense of relief. Um, and I think for the uh, American people who watched the attack on our Capitol building a few weeks ago, mm. you know, there's still a sense of disbelief uh, that after you know, hundreds of years of peacefully transferring power from one president to another. You know, we were just a few minutes away from uh, congresspersons and potentially the vice president being attacked. It's It's been a remarkable and distressing, you know, month. Now, Edward, we've seen, you know, in Biden's themes in his inauguration speech, you know, it had a strong theme of empathy, unity, we would say. But, you know, is that enough to inspire Americans after, you know, these chaotic four years under Trump? Well, you know, I think many Americans aren't necessarily looking to be excited. I think they're looking for some level of normalcy and competence. So, you know, Joe Biden uh, isn't necessarily exciting, uh, but I think there's an expectation that he will be uh, a competent uh, and reliable uh, leader. Uh, whether or not he's able to, you know, spark widespread unity across the country, you know, only time will tell. But at the least, I think many Americans can rest comfortably knowing they don't have to worry about what he's going to tweet uh, at midnight. Now, speaking about, you know, expectations, you know, what will be some of perhaps the key policy decisions um, that we're hoping to see from Biden in the next few weeks? So uh, President Biden has already repealed the Muslim ban, uh, which was, you know, one of the, the most uh, insulting and harmful things that President Trump did during his administration. And we're hoping that President Biden will go further, though. We're hoping that he will tackle some of the systemic problems that exist in our government. Uh, you know, long before Donald Trump took office, uh, racial profiling, religious profiling existed and, and harmed the Muslim community. And so we're hoping that uh, Joe Biden will, you know, take a hard look at some of those systemic issues uh, and really change the way our government operates, whether that's how the federal government deals with uh, police brutality against people of color or how it treats immigrants at the southern border 
uh, we really hope that there's some systemic change uh, happening within the next four years. Now, of course, we understand that CARE is a strong advocacy group for the rights of American Muslims. I mean, you have just spoken and alluded to the religious and racial profiling that has been going on of Muslims as well as immigrants in America. You know, how will the Muslim community of America ensure um, that even though some of these provinces have been made, you've alluded to the um, Muslim ban being lifted, that, you know, the next few years will not be more of the same? Well, look, you know, uh, American Muslims played a critical role uh, in this presidential election, especially in swing states. I think that President Biden recognizes the important role that that Muslims played, and and I think that uh, this administration will will have an open door and at the very least be open to listening to the concerns of the American Muslim community. And I think for the community, our job is to deliver – the message, right? Uh, we, we can't make the president do anything, but we can articulate what the problem is and what our proposed solutions are. And to the extent that our community can unite and do that together, I think that makes us a very powerful force. So our job is not just to, you know, uh, sit back and, and enjoy the ride simply because Donald Trump is not president. Our job is to, you know, be brave and be bold and stand up for what we want and call out injustice uh, no matter who perpetrates it. And I think that you're going to see our community doing that over the next four years, whether that's uh, related to domestic issues that are happening here in America or if we see things happening around the world that our country has some sort of role in, whether that's Yemen or China, the treatment of Uyghur Muslims. I mean, there's so many things that that are happening that American Muslims really plan to tackle. Uh, And we think that the Biden administration will have an open ear based on what we've seen so far. Now, Edward, you know, globally, we see Muslims that are instrumental on a grassroots level to bring about change and effective change. You know, can we perhaps see more Muslims being appointed at different levels of government, perhaps, in the Biden administration? Well, when he was running for president, Joe Biden said he was going to include American Muslims, quote, at every level, end quote, of uh, government. And he has already appointed several Muslims to important staff positions, but we haven't seen a Muslim appointed to the cabinet yet. Uh, And so, you know, President Biden needs to fulfill that pledge to include Muslim Americans at every level of government. And uh, I know for a fact the community is already actively pushing for him to fulfill that pledge. And it's not about window dressing. It's not about representation for the sake of representation. You know, it's important to have Muslims at the table, especially when decisions are being made that impact the Muslim community. And you really haven't had the Muslim perspective involved in these high-level policy decisions uh, in the White House uh, for years. And so we think that it's important that whether the issue is COVID-19 or the economy or police brutality or foreign policy, American Muslims have expertise and have something to say and something to contribute. So that's definitely a top priority is to continue to press President Biden to fulfill his pledge to include Muslims at every level of government. Edward, you know, throughout the elections, we saw Muslims not only in America, but globally say, you know, should Biden come into power? You know, he's the lesser of two evils. Of course, we saw, um, you know, the spotlight on his sort of views around foreign policy. In terms of foreign policy and, you know, some of those key issues um, with regards to America's relationships with the, uh, the Middle East, for instance, you know, are there any hopes at this point in time? And perhaps what are they? So, yes. Um, you know, number one, we are hopeful that, uh, that uh, President Biden will shift American policy away from being focused on 
financial concerns and being more focused on humanitarian concerns. We are hopeful that he will uh, support uh, democratic movements and not corrupt dictatorships, uh, and we are hopeful that he will support efforts to advance peace in the region. Uh, you know, we should not be selling missiles and guns and bullets uh, to people who are going to engage in human rights violations, whether that's against Palestinians or Egyptians or Libyans or whoever else. Um, you know, and so we are we are hopeful in general that that President Biden will pursue a more humanitarian foreign policy in the Middle East, uh, work with leaders in the region to advance peace uh, and and freedom and justice, and make sure that America is not getting involved in more endless wars and perpetuating perpetuating conflict in the region, the conflicts we've seen raging for twenty years. You know, I, I, are we hopeful that? that Biden, uh, President Biden will radically change the way America does business in the Middle East? Not, not completely, no. Based on the policies he has espoused and the people he's appointed, we're not expecting as much change as you might have seen if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren had been president. But we are expecting to see some positive changes in, uh, in how he deals with the region. And I think beyond the Middle East, you know, we're really hopeful that he is going to take uh, the Chinese government uh, and what it's doing to Uyghur Muslims very seriously. We think that's one of the most, you know, critical and horrific human rights uh, crimes being committed in the world. And America, you know, probably is one of the few countries that has the economic and political strength to stand up to China about that issue. So we are hopeful to see some positive things. Edward, you know, and finally, you know, under the Trump administration, there was a very strained, almost awkward relationship, you know, between um, Trump and, and various world leaders. You know, how do you think world leaders as well as countries globally should now, what sort of attitude should they be adopting towards the Biden administration? Well, I think many world leaders know President Biden due to his, uh, you know, time as vice president and his time before that as chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. So I, I suspect they're going to know how to deal with him. And I, I expect the, the major change is that no matter whether or not you agree or disagree with President Biden's policies, I think world leaders can expect a level of normalcy, of predictability, of confidence. Uh, and, and I think that's going to change, you know, things uh, for the better, you know, that you can expect to have diplomatic conversations with a foreign leader uh, and not, you know, unexpected, unstable, uh, you know, destructive conflict with, with foreign leaders. So I, I do think that world leaders are probably breathing a bit of a sigh of relief, not because they necessarily agree mm. with everything that uh, President Biden plans to do, but more so because at least they know they can interact with him the way that leaders and diplomats are supposed to interact with each other. So I expect we're going to see more positive, productive inter interactions, relationships between world leaders uh, in the next four years, God willing. Certainly. Now, I don't think we can end off the conversation without making mention of Kamala Harris. I mean, we've seen globally, you know, she has been lauded, um, firstly, as being a woman, and then secondly, a woman of color as well. What does this mean in terms of her vice presidency for America and the world at large? Well, look, it's, it's historic. I mean, Kamala Harris is the, the first uh, African-American uh, vice president, the first Indian-American vice president, the first woman uh, to be elected as vice president of the United States. So it's obviously history for our country and, and history for people around the world who, who look up to our, our country and, and the way our political system works. I will say that, you know, again, for, for many Americans, the, the critical thing is not just representation, 
but, uh, but the substance of the person who's doing the representing, right? I mean, many Americans celebrated the election of Barack Obama as our first black president, but if uh, it had been Ben Carson or Herman Cain, who are two very you know, uh, politically extreme far-right individuals who are black running for president, you may not have seen enthusiasm for them. So I think the American people are very politically mature in that they don't just look for people who, um, you know, will check a demographic box, but who will reflect the diversity of our country and also advance positive policies. So I think we're hopeful that uh, Vice President Harris will support policies that advance justice here at home and peace abroad, at least more so than uh, her predecessor did. Absolutely. Well, Edward, let's leave it at that for this morning. I want to thank you for taking time out, burning the midnight oil on your side, and uh, staying up to speak to us. It's indeed been a great pleasure, and we wish you and care all of the best. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum to, to all of you, and please stay safe. You as well. Alaikum salam. And, of course, that was Edward Ahmed, the Deputy Director for the Council on American-Islamic Relations, known as CARE, speaking to us. I believe he's all the way out in Georgia um, chatting to us. Of course, we've seen um, President Joe Biden being sworn in a few hours ago as the 46th President of the United States of America.